when the thoughts come, it starts here. That's why Paul says in Colossians, set your mind on things above. It's a choice to set your mind. If you set your mind on one thing for a long time, it becomes a mind set and a stronghold that you are fixed in. You can change that. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. This morning, after the conference and everything, all the prep, all the work, all the stuff that went to it, um, someone asked me this morning, how am I? I'm like, I'm physically tired, but I'm spiritually alive, <laughs> and I'm feeling great, so I thank God for that. We had some amazing, we had two men that I know of give their lives to Christ for the first time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I got to minister to one of two who had massive breakthroughs in their lives, and I know that the messages really impacted those lives, so we thank God for that, and I'm excited to hear even more testimonies from that. All right. Yo. God is good. <laughs> yeah. I think we need to take more moments where we just stop and take a breath and meditate on the fact that He is so good. There's this verse in the book of Daniel where Daniel speaks to one of the kings that he was under, there was the one that was there for a very short time. <laughs> I think it was Balthazar. And he said to him, when he was taking stuff from the temple of God, like in drinking cups and having a party, he said to him, you have done this thing against the God who holds the very breath that you are taking right now. Sure. And he died that night. There's something about entering a healthy fear of the Lord that we miss. We, we, in this Western comfortable world, we, we miss it. There's many people walking around believing they are saved and saying, yes, I'm a Christian. And they maybe have done a prayer and said yes to Jesus, but they don't live in the fear of the Lord. You know what will keep you from sinning the most? A healthy fear of God. Not knowing that it's wrong. Knowing that God is with you. When you do the sin, you are actively choosing that the temple of God now do the sin. And that should make you go, whoa, no, <laughs> I fear God so much, I don't want to be busy with this nonsense. 
Because the spirit inside of you will tell you, yeah, no, stop it. But we get so desensitized. And then eventually the choice becomes easier and easier to just, ah. And then we say stuff like, I'm just human. No, you're not. You have died. And Christ is alive in you. Stop saying, I'm just human. Change your language. What you, meditate, what you meditate on will become the manifestation of your life. It will. I'm just a human being. I can mess up. Now you think you've got a ticket to mess up. Stop it. I know. I know. I've done that. I know. I know that trick. Don't do it. It's a sign of an immature Christian. Or of someone who's not saved. Come to the front, I'll get you saved. And then stop your nonsense. Guys, we cannot play church. We cannot, this is not a game. We need to be in a place where we are so in awe of this living God that we won't even think twice about going against him. You know what? I would prefer if you feared God more than you love him. Let me put it that way. But we need both. But if you're going to choose one, choose the fear. <laughs> That's not great doctrine. I'm just, I'm so passionate about getting that across. But here's some news for you. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. So if I love him, if I say I love Jesus, but I disobey him, what am I doing? I don't fear him enough to take my love for him seriously, or I'm lying and I don't love him. Right? Are we going to be a church where the world can point fingers and go, they say one thing, but they live another thing? Or are we going to be the church where people go, Jesus must be real, because look at these people. In John 17, Jesus prays in front of his disciples to the Father. And he says, I want to pray for these ones and the ones who come after them. And then twice he prays the same thing. He says, Father, let them be one as you and I are one so that the world will know that you sent me. Did you know that our greatest evangelical tool is to be united? If we can be a church where the unity is so strong that the world will look at us and go, whoa, this Jesus must be real because look at that. They're actually living it. And it looks amazing. I, I want to be there. Yes, come. We'll help you to die and come alive in Christ. I keep saying that because we're going to talk about that today. I'm just prepping your minds. All right. We're busy with a series from the book of Romans, the letter of Paul to the church in Rome. He's writing to a divided church. It used to be Jewish-led. Then the Jews were kicked out of Rome. Then the Gentiles took the church over. Then the Jews were let back in. And now 
there are more Gentiles and the Jews want to come back and lead and it's like they're bumping heads because the Jews want the Gentiles to go snip snip and they don't want to go snip snip and they <laughs> they and the Gentiles are like we can just live wherever we want they're like all about we've got license to live the way we want and the, they're like no you have to keep Torah so they they are at, at loggerheads with each other and Paul is writing to this church and he is explaining to them there's one gospel there's one church and you are a part of that one gospel and one church. There isn't another one. You can't mix it up. You can't change it. The pure word of God is the word of God. And then he explained to them there's one standard of God. Can anyone remember that this week? Hallelujah. Yes. I'm going to do a little happy dance. They've remembered it. <laughs> And what is the one way to the righteousness of God? Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. And then when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the one gift, which is Jesus himself. He is the gift. And when we open that gift, when we receive that gift, we get two more gifts. It's the gift that keeps on giving. We spoke about it last week. We get grace and the standard we spoke about first. Righteousness. Yeah. Powerful. Do you see how it loops back and connects? We get the one standard by faith, by receiving the gift of Christ. And when we receive him, hey, grace, whoa, righteousness, woohoo. But it's important to receive the gift. And then we end it off with these, these words from 1 Corinthians 15 because we read Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15 together. And 1 Corinthians 15 ends with this instruction from Paul. He says, now that you know that you went from the old man to the new man, I'm telling you to do this. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that's a settled revelation in my mind that your labor for God is not in vain. And that's a call that he has. He didn't say, hey guys, I would like for you to be, listen, I have a strong suggestion. No, be steadfast. Therefore, be steadfast. Because this is the truth. Be steadfast, be immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing it's not in vain. Amen? All right. So today, I'm going to read the, begin the first part of Romans 6. It's also quite a big chapter, so I'm going to split it up, and we're going to do the first part today. And the first part is all about the power of baptism. So today, the message is called One Baptism. And there's another verse that, that confirms that. So let us read together from Romans 6, verse 1 to 14. And then I want to try and show you something by using my boys who have not prepped yet, but they, they're going to just do what I say because they're so obedient in Jesus' name. It'll be fun, I promise. All right. So Romans 6 from verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So this is now more pointed at the Gentiles. 
Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. He's not mincing his words. He's posing the question that he is expecting from them. But then he says, no. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? How? Not how. How? You might hear that and go, how? But really, how? Or do you not know? He's talking to them like children. Hey, do you not know? How do you not know this by now? Do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? When you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Why? He tells us why. Comma. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Comma. Knowing this, in other words, having the download of heaven that this is true, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Say slaves. Slaves to sin. For he who died has been freed from sin. Say freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. He can't die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin for all, once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, everyone say likewise. Likewise. Jesus' death has no longer dominion over him. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign take over your mortal body, this physical piece of flesh, that you should obey its lusts. In its lusts, sorry. And do not present your members, every part of your body, do not present them as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. 
For you are not under law, but under grace. He brings it back and say, grace is actually there for you to not sin and live in sin. Not to have a license to sin, it's a license to not have to sin. That's the power of grace, truly. Do you see that, church? Three of you, all right. I want to read Ephesians 4 from verse 1 to 6 as well in, in this, together with this. Listen to what Paul writes to the, to the Ephesians. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. That's a very strong word that he's saying there. To walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walk worthy. What is walking? Walking it out. Taking action. How do I walk worthy of the calling with which we were called? With all lowliness, humility, gentleness, with long-suffering, patience, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Is this not on the computer? Sorry, guys. I thought I put it there. There is one body and one Spirit. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one Baptism is what I want to get to. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. All right, I want to show you something. Simi and Ruben, will you please come on stage? Leon, will you please bring the two big crates onto the stage? I'm gonna, I only have seen this in my head, so we're going to give it a bash. Monarch, can you for me help? Dankie. Dankie, Sean. Hello. Janet. <laughs> Goeiemorgen. Just watch the cables, guys. Leon, watch the cables. Watch, watch. Those are... All right. So I'm going to try something. I didn't tell the camera guys anything. This kind of happened this morning. All right. So I'm hoping my theory will work. Ruben. Now, Reuben, Reuben is the old man. He is a sinner. He represents a sinner. He's already given his life to Christ, Reuben has, but he's representing the old man right now, all right? So Reuben decides, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I believe, when I read this, I believe that it's possible for me to die to self and come alive in Christ. So the old man dies. So die. Go lie down. And is buried in Christ. All right? Because Christ died and is buried, was buried first, that is the first step for us. But then Christ Jesus was raised from the dead. And the Bible says that because of that, the new creature... That looks different, 
sounds different, acts different, is now the new creature that has been reborn up from the grave. All right, Ruben, you can get out. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give them a big round of applause. Thank you so much. Was that comfortable? <laughs> All right, please help me with this. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Leon. All right. I felt we needed to get a bit of a picture today about what this means. Thank you, guys. Well done. Let's give them a big round of applause. Anki Ruben, Anki Simi. If you want to go to Kids Church, you can now. Thank you. I'm, you've done your part. Thanks, guys. But you can stay as well. Thank you, Jesus. So, can you, did you, can you visualize that? Can you see that that's what happened? I, the reason I want to show us that is there's a reason why Paul is harping on this point. He keeps repeating it. When you read his other letters to other churches, it's very important for him that people understand this. And, and it's important for you to know that there's a death when you come to Jesus that has to happen. We often speak to people and we, and, 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 and we try to, they come for counseling or help or we're just in discussion and, and they, then, we, then I would ask them, because I, I like asking this question, when did you get saved? Or first, I would, if I'm not sure, I go, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? And then I get very interesting answers sometimes. Uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, some people know and they answer very confidently. Some are kind of unsure. But what I get a lot is, I don't really remember like a moment. I was just always kind of a Christian. Now, on the one hand, I, I kind of understand that if you grew up in a Christian home, that, that, that is possible. But I would imagine, because of my own experience as well, and I shared my testimony yesterday, I would imagine that if your old self died, you would remember it. Or at least, maybe for some it's a process, I can also understand that. But there should be a process and then a moment of like, okay, wow. I know that some conversions can take time. It's not necessarily instantaneous. I, I understand that. But there should be a moment where you realize, sure, everything has changed now. Would you agree? And if you haven't had that, I'm not going to make the statement that you're not saved. But I would want you to go to God and spend time and say, Yo, did I have, am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I in the fullness of what you have for me? Amen? Because the same person that would typically say that to me would say that, listen, I don't have a date or a moment, but I believe I am. Are also the people that when I ask them, have you been baptized? They go, yes, as a baby. And they go, no, that's not baptism. That's sprinkling a baby with water. That is parents dedicating their child to God, which is a beautiful thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not a baptism. It's not. There's nowhere in the Bible that that is mentioned as baptism. Baptism is a physical going under water, coming up. That is baptism. And, it, and if you can see how Reuben, he had to lie down, go under, 
and actually die for the, the new man to actually be able to come up. But I think what some of us do is we kind of die and we kind of come alive and now we're actually this weird androgynous thing. Like we sort of saved, sort of whatever. And nowhere in the Bible does it make a, like a reference to a middle ground or a gray area. It doesn't. So you're stuck in this weird place. And you effectively will be lukewarm, as Revelation says. You can't be hot for the kingdom and you can't be cold for the kingdom. You can't be effective because you're stuck between a dead man and a kind of alive man. Can you see that? So that is why baptism, to understand it, is so important. Because baptism goes hand in hand with conversion. It has to. When someone gives their lives to Christ, I want to dunk them immediately. Like, just do it now. No, but I'd like to do a, a course first. You died. We're showing it. That's what happens. I'm kidding. There is some stuff to know that's important, and it's good for you to have a better understanding. But in principle, God said so, just do it. All right? And sometimes there will be a moment for that. But if you have doubts, please talk to God. Please read his word, and I would love to hear an argument where you come and say, the word doesn't say that I need to be baptized. I don't want to. You won't be able to convince me, because I will have many verses to show you why you should be baptized post-conversion. And if anything, the first thing we should be doing as a new creation is to now obey what God says. What If you have really died to self, what I think, what I want, what I, you know, believe, my preconceived ideas, my cultural beliefs, you know, the church that I grew up in, the home that I grew up in, if that died, then how can that still be functioning? How can you still reference that as a reason not to? Then you haven't died. Then you haven't really given your life to Christ. Because if the point of giving your life to Christ is to move from being a slave to sin to being a slave to God and His Word. Being a slave means you don't have a choice in following Him. But how gracious is God? He gives you a choice. You have to choose to be a slave. You have to choose to relinquish all rights. All sense of your sense of fairness. It's not fair. Why did that... Shush. I've got a newsflash. Life is not fair. Don't expect anyone to be fair or life to be fair. It's like expecting to not pay taxes. Like it, it won't work. We have to make this decision. I'm going to show you. Acts 2, verse 37. These are not on the screen. You can turn to your Bible if you have it on your phone or a Bible with you. Acts 2 from verse 37. Acts 2, 37. This is the moment after Peter preached the first message. Next week, we're going to 
We are celebrating Pentecost Sunday, and even though we're going to continue with our series in Romans, we will make reference to this. But after Pentecost happened, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter preaches a message, and this happens. Now when they heard this, his sermon, they were cut to the heart. They heard the gospel, and they were cut to the heart. These are Jewish people in Jerusalem from all over the known world. Jewish people heard the gospel first. That's important to hear. Important to know. And it's from this moment that Jewish believers who became Messianic Jews moved to Rome and started the church that Paul is writing to. All right? So now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men, brethren, what shall we do? They had a conviction. They have a reaction. Peter says to them, repent. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many, word, many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. They baptized 3,000 people in one day. Can you imagine how much dunking that is? Cold dunking. I don't know what the Jordan was like that time of year or wherever they were. They baptized 3,000 people on that day. Revival that everyone wants so much starts with each one of us repenting before God with a humble heart and realizing I can't do this in my own strength. I need Jesus. That's where you want revival. Make sure that you have completely died to self and are completely alive in Christ and living for Him. Then you will start to affect other people because the life, the love, the grace, the power, the joy of Jesus will be inside of you. It cannot not be. But I know from my own experience, to whatever extent you have not surrendered or you are clinging to sin you won't be effective. It's just the way it is. Colossians 3 from verse 1. Paul says to the Colossians, If then you were raised with Christ. He's talking to people who have already given their lives to Christ. Colossians 3 from verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ. So, imagine... you. Paul speaking to you. He's looking at you. He's going, you told me that you gave your life to Christ. Okay? So, if then you were raised with Christ, this is how your life should look. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
He is reminding them of the decision they made. Why? Because he probably saw a church where people said one thing and did another. It's like, let me just remind you, you died. Why do I need to tell you to keep your mind on things above? Because it looks like your mind is on things on the earth. If you care more about the things that are happening around you, the things that you want to achieve, the money you want to make, the holiday you want to go on, the hobby you want to put money into, and while you're not tithing at church, then he's going to speak to you as well. Say, what are you doing? You died. Why are you feeding your flesh? It's not there anymore. But you're trying to revive it. The first box with Reuben, you're trying to make that come back up. No. He's reminding converted people that they have died. He's reminding them that they have been baptized into the death of Christ and they have been raised with Christ. And then he poses this question, if then you have been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above. What is he saying? Pursue Godly things. Don't be distracted by the stuff the world is going to offer you. How do we do that? We make choices, sacrificial choices that our flesh don't want. And the first step is hard because the little piece of you has to die that hasn't died yet. But then as you obey, God strengthens you. As you obey, God strengthens you. And what used to be a, a tricky thing for you to, to, not, to, to stay away from becomes freedom in Christ. But it starts with a choice. It starts with a choice to say, yes, I'll follow you. I will set my mind on things above. Do you also know what happens when you set your mind on things above? The things of earth become inconsequential to you. You don't set your mind on that anymore. You don't want to. And after your, imagine, if you have stared at something perfect and beautiful and amazing for a week, and then you see something awful and terrible and ugly, what will you want to do? Turn away and go back to the beautiful thing, right? But if you set your mind on things of this earth and you go, ooh, that's nice and that's cool, then you get desensitized to a point where you go, this is great and earth, that's, you know, that challenges me. This light is, is bright, like I can't. I can't bear the light for this long. It's too much for me. So you stay away from the things above. And you get locked up in the nonsense and the sewage and the, which starts to look good to you after a while. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you. And then he laughs at you and you think, no, I found my truth. I'm living my truth, you know. Uh, uh, uh. Flip it. I want to show you something about Jesus. Matthew 3, from verse 11. John the Baptist is speaking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water, unto repentance but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry John had a healthy fear of the Lord and the Lamb of God he knew his place 
Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Conservative Christians hate this verse. Like, I can't say that. But it is said, it is in the word, Holy Spirit and fire. Fire burns, fire is hot, fire gives warmth, fire gives life. And yes, if misused, it can burn stuff down. But God is talking, in this moment, he's talking about, obviously, the good side of the fire of God that we need to, that we need in our lives. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. How many of you go like, oh, Jesus is so nice. He's, he's always holding a lamb and, you know, he's this white guy with a beard and blue eyes. No. He's got a winnowing fan. He's cleaning the threshing floor. There are only two groups of people. Those who follow him and those who don't. Those who go to hell and those who go to heaven. It's that simple. Jesus decides. There's another verse in John where Jesus is called the judge. Yeah, but he didn't come to condemn. The world is already condemned. Go read John 3, 16 to 21. Yes, he didn't come to condemn, but he came to judge. Yo. But listen to this, and he gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That is my Jesus. My Jesus has unquenchable fire. Don't tell me he's weak. The devil freaks out about this. But he's very happy when Christians don't know this and don't live from this place of knowing who their Jesus is. John knew very well. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Jesus came, humbled himself before a mere mortal man and was baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then Listen to this. Then he allowed him. <laughs> when he had been baptized. So Jesus is now going under the water. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I don't think if it ever happened before that moment that the Trinity was together on earth for all to see. The son being baptized, the Holy Spirit coming upon him and the father speaking at the same time. Can you imagine being John? He just baptized the Lamb of God. You know, this happens. Like, what even? I want to show you something. Jesus, okay, so first let me say this. What happened after Jesus was baptized? Did he do 
anything ministry-wise before his baptism? No. You're like, what? No. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, waited for God's timing for his ministry to start. And the catalyst for his ministry was his baptism. And the Holy Spirit coming upon him. And the Father speaking identity over him. That's what baptism is. It's restoring you to who you were meant to be. Do you see that? Now, Jesus was born as a human being into a sinful, broken world like all of us. The only massive, life-changing difference, he never sinned. He never sinned. Only at about age 30, he was baptized. His baptism came first, and only after that, his ministry started. And he then only completed his ultimate mission on earth, which was to do what? Die on a cross in order to defeat sin and death. And then he was buried. And then he was raised from the dead in a resurrected body to live forever. By completing his mission, he canceled the penalty of sin. He disempowered the power of sin. And thanks to him, the presence of sin will eventually be no more. So, the pattern with Jesus was no sin, baptism into ministry, die to defeat death, be raised to life forever. What is the pattern for us? Born a sinner, live in sin, hear the gospel, the good news about Jesus and what he did for us, let it cut you to the heart, be convicted and react and say, what do I do? You realize that the love of God has just broken through and you repent because you realize I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Now I make a decision to follow Christ. And if I understand this decision properly, it leads to the death of my sinful, physical, carnal nature. We have to die in Christ first in order to be born again through Him. Only once we've made that decision are we baptized. And then our ministry will follow but we live forevermore as Christ, like Christ. Do you see that? Jesus made the way so that we can walk in his way. He is first and preeminent in every way, shape, and form. Now, I want to read that first scripture to you again. And I want you to really focus on what's happening here. Can you put that up again? Romans 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live in it any longer? Or do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into 
his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, saints, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. You see, before Christ, you are a slave to sin. After Christ, you don't have to be a slave to sin. It's a choice to be a slave to sin or not. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Say, I'm free from sin if I'm in Christ. Now, if we died in Christ, this is very similar to Colossians 1, we believe that we shall also live with him. So he doesn't just tell you you died to your old self and sorry, that's not how it is. He replaces that with what is now the reality. So like we replace a lie with the truth when we counsel you, we are replacing the old dead person with the new alive person in Christ. Amen? For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. I don't know about you, but the times in my life where I allowed my old self to come back and I chose to sin, I did feel like I died again, spiritually. How many of you want to be in a place where you die no more? That's what Jesus did for us so that we don't have to. Death no longer has dominion, power, influence over him, Jesus. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive in God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, come on saints, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. What does that mean? Do you present yourself without knowing it? When you present, I'm here, I'm presenting myself. Did you choose it, or did you just fall there? I mean, you get these people who said, I don't know how it happened, we just, we we slept together. I'm like, really? Did you, did, she was lying there and you just fell the right way? Like, what? Seriously? Yeah, I don't know how it happened. You know, we were both naked, lying in bed, and the next thing, go. They, they, I mean, they told me it'll make me feel good. I just want to try it once, one time. Whoa, man. In order to sin, you have to make a choice to present yourself 
and your members, the parts of your body, to sin. It's a choice. I know some of us are stuck in unhealthy, habitual, addictive sins, and there it really feels like you don't have a choice because you've gone so far down that path that your body is in an automated place where it just it happens without you knowing. I understand that as well. That is something that's been hardwired into your brain on a physical level that you feel like you don't have control. But even that, God can heal. But I want to take you back to the first moment where you chose to do that sin. That was a choice. Doing it more and more, yes, can take you down a road of being completely addicted that you're like, I need help. And we are here to help you. But what I want you to hear today is that sin is not your portion in Christ Jesus. Being, yesterday, Joshua shared his powerful testimony and he said something. He said, my breaking point was I chose to say over myself, this is just the rest of my life. I'm always going to be addicted to this thing. That's just who I am. And I related to that. Because I had a moment in my life where I thought, well, this is just, and I, I even made it scriptural. This is just the thorn in my side, like Paul. Really, Heinz? Nice try. Someone fall in the spirit? Getting excited over here. So, but he says here, okay, so let's, let's take a moment and ask ourselves, okay, I'm a born-again believer? Cool, what does that mean? Does it mean I believe that the Word of God is the Word of God? Do you believe that? Do you believe the Bible is the infallible Word of God? All right, so when you read this, you have a choice whether to believe it or not. It says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. What should you do? He doesn't just say, do not do that. He says, don't do that. Instead, do this. Present yourselves to God as being alive from dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So don't present them to do this. Present them before God to do whatever He wants you to do. He's not leaving us on a lurch. Now, will you obey when you read that? Some of you still believe you're just human and you can't do this. I can sense it in the spirit. You believe a lie. The devil has effectively pulled the wool over your eyes to make you ineffective. Because what is he doing? He's making you feel disqualified to be effective in the kingdom. It's a lie. Do you know the great thing about a lie? is it's only effective as long as it's a lie. So I'm telling you now, it's a lie that you can't do this. It's a lie that you have to keep sinning. It's a lie that you are only human. Now you know it's a lie. What are you gonna do about it? Choose to not believe the lie. Replace the lie with a truth. What is the truth? I am no longer a slave to sin. That's the truth. I am alive in Christ. That's the truth. I no longer have an obligation to sin. That is truth. And when the thoughts come, it starts here. That's why Paul says in Colossians, set your mind on things above. It's a choice to set your mind. If you set your mind on one thing for a long time, it becomes a mind set and a stronghold that you are fixed in. You can change that. 
If you recognize now, I believe a lie, you go, whoa, I believe a lie. Lord, I repent for believing this lie. Holy Spirit, empower me to get rid of the lie. But now, what is the truth in the place of this lie? Who am I in you? Born again, saved, healed, delivered, washed, strong, powerful, ready for action for the kingdom of God. Presenting my members to God for the work of the kingdom. If you get so busy doing God's will, do you think you'll have time to sin? I really want to know. When do you get time to sin? But what do you say? Yo, no, I don't have time for God. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to, you know, I'm so busy. Whew, I'm so busy. But apparently you have time to sin. Do you hear that? I don't have time. I don't, I'm so busy. Yeah, you're busy sinning right now. You're making your life more important than God. So you're not loving God first. You're not seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first. What did Jesus say? Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. Then these other things will be added to you. But we go, I'm chasing this. I'm chasing this. I want this. I want money. I want to be able to be comfortable and happy and just go on a holiday when I want to. And no, 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 no. And I'm so busy trying to achieve these dreams of mine that I don't have time for God. But you have time for sin. Stop it. Stop it, Ned. Turn away. That's repentance. Turn away from that and turn to God and present your members to Him. Say, Lord, what can I do for you? Get so busy with the things of God while keeping your intimacy with Him in a healthy place that you don't even think about sinning. Amen? Come on. That last sentence, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.